house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Tomorrow morning if you wake up and the sun does not appear, I, I will be here. If in the dark we lose sight of love, hold my hand and have no fear, cause I, I will be here. I will be here when you feel like Quiet when you need to speak your mind. I will listen and I will be here when the laughter turns to crying through the wind and losing and trying. We'll be together because I will. Tomorrow morning if you wake up And the future is unclear I, I will be here Just as sure as the seasons were made for change Our lifetimes were made for these years So I I will be here I will be here So you can cry on my shoulder When the mirror tells us we're older I will hold you And I will be here To watch you grow in beauty And tell you all the things you mean to me I will be I will be true to the promise I have made to you and to the one who gave you to me. And just as sure as the seasons were made for change, our lifetimes were made for these years. I will be here I will be here Now there you go people some of you in bare face were it's one of these things I kind of wish that I we could do the Instagram behind the scenes. We're both crying, you know. 
I don't know. You want to get on screen? Put yourself on. <laughs> uh, sure. Hey, hey, everybody. So that song, um, I Will Be Here, Randall and I uh, had that at our wedding. Yeah, we did. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we had a friend of ours who, uh, I don't know if she still does at the time, she taught uh, sign language to the deaf blind. And she yeah. signed it in ASL, American Sign Language. You know, I will be, well, I can't put it all on my little box, but <laughs> right. good thing because I'd probably say something wrong in sign language, but it's pretty funny. Um, that made it all the more powerful. It, it was. is while we were doing our personal communion. communion. And uh, anyway, so that song going and she signed to it. And I can't remember who it was that asked us afterward and said, is she deaf? It's like, <laughs> no. yeah, that's how she was able to do it in perfect time with this song. And, uh, but um, yeah, it's a great song. And we were earlier we were looking at Steve's Curtis, Stephen Curtis Chapman. What likes to use all three of his names, I guess. Um, so do I. True. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we saw a video of him performing on the Dove Awards in 1991. Looked like it was in his early 20s had a mullet going on and you know it was introduced as the song that he wrote for his wife mary beth and so she's a mary beth it's a southern thing stephen curtis mary beth stacy lynn and um you know jim bob i was born in the north though yeah anyway but (laughs) went in the south so why are you tearing up uh just just thinking about well because what we're gonna get into um, with this first story when we get to it after right. you do the greeting and stuff. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? Oh. I forgot to uh, launch the uh, oh. ticker there. There you go. There we go. Um, you know, as you greet people and all that, we get started here. But the first story we're going to get into because I'm going to look at some scripture that, gosh, a couple weeks now ago we looked at, uh, at uh, Weekends in the Word. And... I I saw it in a new way. I mean, I, I was, I mean, I was took it, but just in, in a deeper way. I saw it, looking at the background and thinking of you know, considering the the life of Yeshua from a messianic Jewish perspective. Yeah, and uh, especially a rabbinic uh, perspective, and then and uh, anyway, we'll get into it. Yeah. So so I'm yeah, crying because, well, you know. 27 years ago, next month, Randall and I will have been married, mm-hmm. actually, in a church and holy matrimony and literally... Holy matrimony. I know. Holy, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, but I, you know, I don't know about you, but I was I was thinking about, first of all, that the church was packed, about three 300 people, right? Yeah. yeah. Most Many, of them not uh, directly invited. And mostly not believers. Uh, yeah, and... Um, and we had so many people tell us that our wedding was one of the best ones they ever went to. And I'm going to tell you, it was a shoestring budget. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. But, but the I, Lord was glorified, I think. It? Yeah, he was. And, I, and you know, the thing that I think of, that I was thinking about was, number one, we're 27 years older. Yeah, we are. The mirror tells us we're older. It does. And, you know, I was thinking, we're, what we're thinking about doing is getting our, actually, our actual wedding video that we had made. It was really bad. I mean, comparatively, <laughs> it was 
Our uh, our wedding photos are that is on digital tape. Relatively horrible, but um, but here's the thing. Uh, you know, we were thinking about hopefully getting some of that, and it would be neat to be able to play some of that on our anniversary, or at least near it. Um, but I was thinking about the different things that you go through at the longer you've been married. Not only husband and wife get older together. Digital tape is just, but it's tape. But not not only are you getting older together, and you're kind of seeing, you're watching each other get older, and you're watching yourself get older. But there is an intimacy in marriage that only happens as you get older. Yeah. You know, and and the devil who exists is trying to destroy this institution with everything that he has and he is doing a darn good job of his marketing um, <laughs> i will tell you the marketing of evil is rampant cut to you yeah and um and anyway and so tonight what we're going to do our show is is we have a lot of marriage issues to talk about and if you're new to this show uh that little ms over there that's a master's of science degree in clinical psychology i'm a marriage counselor you want me to turn something up uh i want you to move your microphone cord because which one? Well, the one on the microphone because you're rubbing against it and it's and it's this one. <laughs> well, let me hold on here. Okay. Well, okay. Wait, hold on, people. My husband's gonna rescue me. Dun da 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 da. Did you do it yet? No. Yeah, it did. Okay, it is what it is. Okay, so anyway, before the show, Randall even told me how to pronounce certain words so that hopefully I say them correctly. Well, thanks. <laughs> well, no, it's help. I mean, it's a good thing because you guys don't mess up something every show. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you know part of the charm to, of who I am. You want to, me to move this up? Um, I'll hold it. <laughs> whatever. Anyway. What happened uh, to your, I don't know. My split personality? Wait, am I leaning to the left or the right? Just saying. <laughs> okay, there we go. Wow. And the line is gone for, for a minute. <laughs> anyway, people. Um, so, as I was saying, the I, I'm a marriage counselor, okay, by training and, uh, and by employment at one point. Um, and so I have a real passion for this issue, you know, just saying I spent I spent 13 years in college and five years doing training uh, to help people in their marriage, you know, and, and I understand what it's like to struggle in marriage and to deal with marriage issues. And so it's bad enough that we have the normal marriage issues we all have to deal with. But when you have some place like the American Psycho Association, and I really mean that in the most snarky way possible, trying to undermine marriage even more, Ugh. you know, I just <laughs> have to tell you about it. So before we get into the article, though, let me just say hi to everybody. I don't, is anybody on YouTube? Uh, I see five that are watching. All right, five people on YouTube. Yeah, our YouTube audience is growing. Yeah, it is. Thank you, people, for tuning in on YouTube. Uh, so six now. I wonder if that sixth one is me. It might be. Anyway, so if you are there on YouTube and you feel like you want to say hi with your name, then I'll shout you out. I see Melanie over there, and I'll see another Galaxy Weird Fun person. I, I don't know. 
who you are, but thank you for coming in. And of course, over on Periscope, I see some of our great people over there, Danielle and Natasha. Melanie is, she likes both places, Melanie does. And Angie's uh, on uh, Mia YouTube now. Who? And Forrest is there. Oh yeah, cool. And Jay Edgar. I don't know who you are. Do I know you? Yeah, I, I, I think it's Barb. That's Barb. Yeah, hi Barb. And Beth is there. Odessa, Battle, uh, Sharon, and James, and Heather, and all of that. So great. Hey, you know, during the show, if you have any comments or questions, always feel free to throw them in the chat. We'll get to them as soon as we can. If we don't, it's not because we hate you. It's just because maybe we didn't see it or something. Um, and I would be curious to know also if you actually can tell us where you're at, like the country or state you're in, you know, don't be snarky and say stuff like confusion. Yeah, state of confusion or... I put, okay, here's just a little personal note before we get into the story. Okay, you guys know I have plantar fasciitis, right? Okay, I already shared that fun story with you. Yep. Walking on these. Sunshine, people. It's sunshine. <laughs> My podiatrist recommended Crocs, right? C-R-O-C-S. And, of course, I asked my friends. Yeah, my friends. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, what do you guys think of Crocs? And what do I get, people? But a whole bunch of snarky responses, mostly from men, about crocodiles. Hello. You know, it's like the Internet brings out, like, all of us, actually. <laughs> anyway. So I want you to weigh in on that as well. If you've ever wore Crocs on your feet, let me know. Okay. And we've got Dearborn is staying in the house. Yeah, we do. What was the great state well, of that's, Texas? That's Barb. And Forrest oh. is there. Now, Forrest has actually been watching us for a long time. Yeah. Actually, I think Forrest listened to us on Blog Talk Radio way really? back in the day. Yeah, yeah I, I believe so. Probably, it, the years fly by anymore. So Mia has some Crocs. All right. Well, you're smart. You're a lifelike paramedic. You like them? Okay, you don't like them. Hey, we have people that like them and don't like them. And, of course, Beth is in Adelaide, Australia. And it looks like Tom Cat is at Britain, the flag. I'm not, you know, just so you know, I'm older. So my eyes will go like this. Yeah, they will. <laughs> anyway. All right. Hey, everybody. Okay, great. So let's talk about the American Psychological Association. For a moment or two or three or four um there's an article over on one news now i'm going to read that first and then we're going to look at the other things some of this might be repetitive but it's important that you understand and hear hear the perspective that it's coming from <clears throat> this article was published yesterday july 12th 2019 and it says the professional association that bowed to pressure from the homosexual activists during the 1970s is now advocating adultery, yeah, it is, among married couples. Lori Higgins of the Illinois Institute, or Illinois Family Institute, suggests no one should ever consider the American Psychological Association as a legitimate source again, citing the push for, quote, consensual non-monogamy from a group of lesbian and homosexual psychologists. Let me just say that again, okay? Because just like the organization BeforeYouAct.org is trying to rename pedophiles, minor attracted persons, now we have things like, you know, shacking up and having an affair, which is really adultery and fornication, being now referred to as consensual non-monogamy. <sighs> 
think about that for a minute. Let it really sink in, people. Yeah, okay. Anyway, according to Higgins and IFI, the Illinois Family Institute, an APA group known as Division 44, founded in the 1980s, formed a task force advisory board last year that examined consensual non-monogamy <laughs> in the interest of relationship diversity uh, and has now released its findings. Consensual non-monogamy is a professional euphemism for adultery and infidelity. Reading from the task force conclusions, Higgins tells One News Now that LGBT group aims to promote awareness and inclusivity about what it calls diverse expressions of intimate relationships. According to the task force, wait a minute, hold on, I just got to say something because it's going to drive me nuts. Okay, so diverse express, expressions of intimate relationships. Just so you know, I, I know I'm an old fogey. I'm 50. Oh my gosh, I've been around five decades. If you're married, like one man to one woman, you're married. Guess what? You're only supposed to be intimate with that person. Just so you know, people. You know, just saying that it's like man and woman. Marriage. You come together and that's it. Nobody else. There's nothing there. There should be no, nothing. No pornography. No threesome with anybody. N you know, none of that stuff. <laughs> but these knuckleheads want to call it diverse expressions of intimate relationships. Hmm. According to the task force, these include but are not limited to people who practice poly... Po poly Polyamory. <laughs> Polyamory. There you go. And I, in my head, I was saying it totally wrong. So thank you, Bareface, for saving me. Polyamory, open relationships, swinging relationship, arcany, ar arcany, anarchy, and other types of ethical non-monogamous relationships. Such a liberal view of sex and relationships didn't happen overnight. The American Psycho Association was on board in the 1970s when the similarly named American Psychiatric Association, bowing to pressure, dropped homosexuality from its Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. It had been included as a mental disorder in the very first DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, published in 1952. According to the Human Rights Campaign, the homosexual lobbying group, the ruling, quote, helped shift public opinion, marking a major milestone for LGBTQ equality, unquote. And we've talked about this a million times on this show. Now, 45 years later, the push from the task force of university professors, licensed therapists, activists, and writers is to defend and legitimize polyamory. Yeah, I did. I said it right. <laughs> I said it wrong in my head inside, but outward it came. I'm, I guess you're reading from some other article. The One News Now article is what oh, I'm reading from. Okay, well, you sent the uh, sent Illinois you, family. I was going to read from that one next. Okay. Anyway, it says here, uh, <laughs> um, the task force members and their controvers controversial contributions are listed here, thanks to Higgins and IFA. Citing the task force's own publications, Higgins says Division 44 is using the same tactics used in the 1970s and most recently for transgenders, which is to claim people who oppose its views are bigoted and intolerant. So, like, 
So if you oppose polyamory, Amory. that's what I meant. <laughs> polyamory, uh, then you're a hater and a bigot, people. Yeah, you are. If if you oppose <laughs> that, good for you. I'm so glad, and I'm glad you're a bigot. Just saying. Uh, Anyway, it says here, the task force even has, quote, research, unquote, about its proponents suffering discrimination for their views. According to Higgins, however, the latest opinions from Division 44 open the door to the destruction of the traditional family and to marriages in particular. We know that the only criterion left is consent, she observed. So if people consent to something, no matter how deviant, no matter how it undermines human dignity, it's ethical. And think about this. If people decide to consent that this is fine... Then think about this. NAMBLA, the North American Man-Boy Love Association, whose like unspoken motto is sex before eight or it's too late. Their whole goal is to lower the age of consent so that adults can have sex with children. Because see, adults can coerce children and convince them that it's okay for them to do what they're doing with the children, you know, and then they can call it marriage or whatever the whatever hell else they want to call it. Yeah, I did. I said the word hell. Okay, just saying. This should make you upset. Not to the point of getting high blood pressure, but to the point of you going, you know, it is a big deal. It's a huge deal, people, when a marriage is being redefined by deviants. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but homosexuals, lesbians, bisexuals, etc., they deviate from the norm. Right? They're a little, little, teeny weeny little, like, percentage of the population, and the normal heterosexual population dominates, and yet this little dinky percentage, for some reason, we've given all of the power to. And that's not how God created it. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, that is not how God created marriage. So, over on the Illinois Family Institute website, there's a little bit more info about this. So, I'm going to read a little bit more about this so you can hear more. Because why not, people? All right. It says here, in, in a quest to normalize polyamory. Is that right? Yes. Polyamory. <sighs> American Psychological Association loses all credibility. All right. Okay. I'm going to try and make this bigger so I can read it easier. Uh, all right. No one with an iota of integrity, a morsel of morality, or pittance of professionalism should ever cite the American Psychological Association again. Why not, you may be wondering? Well, the APA has a special area called Division 44, kind of like Nevada's Area 51, for all you UFO junkies out there. Division 44 is also called the Society for the Psychology of Sexual Orientation and Gender Diversity, or SPSO. GD for short. Division 44 was founded in 1985 by a group of pioneer, pioneering LGB psychologists and their allies, and one of its primary purposes is to, quote, promote the development and delivery of affirmative psychological services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender, and gender nonconforming and queer people. Male and female is so much easier, just so you know. In the service of this purpose, last year, Division 44 
formed a task force on consensual non-monogamy in recognition of relationship diversity, which intersects with sexual gender identities in interesting ways. Consensual non-monogamy is a euphemism for adultery, sexual infidelity, or polyamory. (laughs) Did I say it right? I don't know what it is about this stupid word that I keep messing up, but what any anyway, leftist leftists must paint sexual immorality with a glossy finish if they're going to deceive people and advance their socially destructive ideology. And make no mistake, the CNM task force is hell bent on advancing their ideology using precisely the same tactics that homo act, homo activists and trans activists used. They're portraying polyamorous and other sexually unfaithful persons as victims and cultural disapproval as an unmitigated evil known in the dystopian progressive world as quote discrimination there is clearly a stigma attached to to practicing consensual non-monogamies forthcoming research by ryan witherspoon phd a project uh, led or lead of the cnm task force indicates that more than half of CNM identified individuals have experienced anti-CNM discrimination in some form despite frequently concealing their CNM practices. (laughs) This is insane, people. Do you know how hard it is to read this? I mean, not only is it just hard for me to read it, but it's just ridiculous. And then it goes on to say here, um, according to the APA, quote, Division 44's Consensual Non-Monogamy Task Force promotes awareness <laughs> and inclusivity about consensual non-monogamy and diverse expressions of intimate relationships. These include, but are not limited to, people who practice polyamory, open relationships, swinging, uh, relationship anarchy, and other types of ethical non-monogamous relationships. What, what kinds are those? Which, which <laughs> non-monogamous ones are the ethical ones? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not going to read the rest of this, but I will tweet it out if you'd like. So here's the, here's the point. The point. <laughs> All right. Just out of curiosity, how many of you think this is insane, people? I'm just curious if you think it's insane. I kind of think it's insane. <laughs> you know, I, I do. Uh, you know, I mean, years ago. I uh, did a workshop for children at a Christian school convention where I was talking about the LGBT lobby and how insane it was that they were redefining the terms and and taking out male and female, And which is why in a few minutes we're going to share with you a video from Matt Walsh when he was speaking at the, at, I forgot where it's the Young Americans thing or something, but anyway, talking about how the whole transgender movement really how when a man says he feels like a woman, how that really actually is an attack on womanhood and how in the heck do we even define a woman? Now, just so you know, though, I happen to be a woman. Hopefully I present that way. I have makeup on, you know, I have long, beautiful, flowing, graying hair. Yeah, I do. I have eye makeup on people. Mm-hmm. I have the girly features. Yeah, I do. I think I look pretty good, you know? I think I pass pretty well for a woman, just so you know. And men who pretend to be women, they're ugly, just so you know. They are some of the ugliest people on the planet, and I mean that. I really do mean that. I mean it 
figured I don't mean it figuratively I literally mean it literally that when a man tries to look like a woman he is ugly because he isn't a woman he is a man just saying if that happens to be you bless your little heart all right I know Randall wanted to weigh in on the marriage uh thingy though so bareface take it away by the way bareface would look really ugly as a girl just so you know just thought I'd throw that out there yeah, what well, I'm going to bring up uh, some scripture we looked at a couple of weeks ago for parts of the, the weekends in the Word, when the weekends we were doing this strictly Bible study. But there was something that um, really stood out to me uh, last uh, time looking into that. Now I need to find, okay, there we go. All right, Mark's Gospel also covers this, but in Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 3, we read, some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Well, how is this a test, you may be wondering. Um, well, it's a test because at the time there were two schools of thought. There was, uh, you know, the the Pharisees were all about, you know, and the scribes were all about the law. And uh, not just the Mosaic Law, but the interpretation of it and the commentary of it that had been passed down uh, through the ages. And there was one school of thought who looked at the prescription of the Mosaic Law that if a man finds any uncleanness in his wife, he should write her a certificate of divorce. And so, well, what does that mean, any uncleanness? Well, the traditional school of thought uh, looked at it as... Uh, you know, marital infidelity, uh, you know, uncleanness because she's out with other men. It's, you know, infidelity, adultery, and that is a reason for divorce. Uh, others looked at it, uh, were really liberal with their interpretation, saying that, uh, you know, if she doesn't cook your food right, you know, or, you know, she didn't present herself well, then, you know, let her go, write her, you know, certificate of divorce. And so there are the two schools of thought. I think the um, sort of majority rabbis were Hillel and uh, Akiva, or Akiva, I don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway, so there's a little division among them, and and plus at this time they were in uh, Herod's jur jurisdiction, who had just married his brother's wife. You know, um, she, um, uh, <clears throat> it was it was an adulterous thing she left her husband her brother his brother and anyway and so they're looking to get him in trouble talking about marriage so they ask him hey is it reason for lawful or is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all let's go back to the text here so you don't have to look at my face oh i like <laughs> your face oh well thank you but i want to have the scripture up here really uh, any reason at all. And so, you know, he's going to say something that's going to tick half of them off or he's going to, or it's going to be back to Herod who had John thrown into prison when he mentioned something about, it was when he said to Herod, it's unlawful for you to have a, your brother's wife. You know, um, uh, Herod uh, had him thrown into prison, John the Baptist. Anyway, so it's a test. They're setting him up. He's, he's got to say something that's going to tick somebody off and get him in trouble. So Jesus answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made, made, them, made them male and female 
And he said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Reminding them what it says in the scriptures in Genesis. And so the whole thing is, as I got it, it stood out to me for the first, in a new way. While they're saying, well, you know, this rabbi says this, and this rabbi says this, what do you say? And he's like, well, the way I take it is, hey, stop thinking about it in human terms, what this guy says or this guy says. Because marriage is not a human institution to be interpreted by human interpretations. And this person's interpretation of the law versus that person's interpretation of the law. And look at this circumstance versus this circumstance. And reasoning out from a human humanistic perspective what to do with this institution of marriage as if it was a human institution. But no. He made them male and female. And for this reason, the man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two, not three, four, even one, is two. Mm-hmm. Um, a man, a man, a male, and his wife, male and female, you can look up the Greek, very specifically, they're biologically male and biologically female. And the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, this is not a human institution, let no man separate. So, uh, you know, they're coming at it from a humanistic point of view. And he says, wait a second. Let's get this in perspective. This is something God has joined together. Well, why is he joined it? Because he made them. He made them male and female. You know, a man and his wife, the one who created human beings as male and female, should be able to set the rules for their you know, for their relationships, especially their sexual relationships. And the one who created the male and female said, the two shall become one flesh, and what God has joined together, let not man separate. So any any way you want to do it, you want to separate it, uh, you know, based on this circumstance or that circumstance, what about this, what about this, what about the consensual non-monogamous, you know, what if it's two, one, no, no. God made them male and female, and he said, the two, man and his wife, they shall become one flesh, and what God has joined together, let not man separate. So what I got from this, he's telling the Pharisees, you're arguing about this rabbi versus that rabbi, let's let's get things put in proper perspective. It's God who created them, male and female. He said this, and he joined it together. Let not man separate it. If if you want if you want it to work right, uh, if you want it to be successful, then you've got to do it on God's terms. He made he made us, he made us male and female, and he's the one who set the terms of what you know human sexuality should be. So there. And you know it's interesting just to throw out, and that was awesome, bareface. Yeah, it was. Well, it's, it's his word. <clears throat> Yeah, but, but you know, here's one of the myths out there. One of the myths, myths, people, is that marriage is, that there's this 50% divorce rate among all marriage. That is such a lie. And, and that is a quote that it's researched that has been quoted for years that 50% of Christians that get married get divorced. And that is a lie. It is a lie, 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 lie. Actually, there has been other research that debunked George Barner's research that stated that 
that actually shows that when you get people to define themselves truly biblically, that it's usually about a 10 to 15, maybe at the very high end, 20% divorce rate among Christians who actually hold a biblical worldview. And you know what? It drives me crazy because I know more Christian marriages that have been, you know, very long marriages um, than I do secular, you know, and, and, you know, and, and there are reasons why people divorce, right? God hates divorce. We don't talk a lot about it, but it's true. God does hate divorce. And, um, and there are specific rules he put in scripture for remarriage, okay? Which I know we don't even enforce that or talk about it much, but there are reasons for it. Uh, and of course, God loves us and stuff. He doesn't um, do anything, but like Randall's highlighting for me right now. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Yeah. So this whole idea of what these knuckleheads are trying to do with non-consensual or consensual, whatever it was that we just talked about. <clears throat> consensual non-monogamy. Which is insane, people. It's just insane. That's why I have a hard time like even saying it because it's insane. I wonder when we're going to come, <laughs> come up with some... And what if we were to come come up with some euphemism for you know premeditated murder? Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But what I can say is that it's completely insane, you know. And in going back to last night's show, when we were talking about you know Galatians chapter five, when you read the whole chapter of Galatians five, you know Paul is talking about circumcision and different things, but then. In 19, verses 19, 20, and 21, he talks about the fruit of the flesh. And then in verses uh, 22 and 23, he talks about the fruit of the spirit. So let me ask you, is this advocating from the American Psychological Association, <laughs> you know, basically advocating for you to be able to be married, but, oh, wait, why don't you guys just consent that you can go and screw other people outside of your marriage? Is that in line with the word of God in the... Fruit of the Spirit? No, it's not, people. It, it falls into the, the flesh. And you know what? We don't talk about that much in the church. We don't talk about the real struggle with the flesh. You know? A lot of times people will talk about, well, the devil made me do it. I was tempted. All right, okay. That is true, and it's not a sin to be tempted. The Bible says to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Right? But it also says to crucify your flesh, you know, to deny your flesh, which God gives us the power to do. The problem is, is that you have to take some personal responsibility in that. And people don't want to do that. They, especially in this culture where people will just blame everybody and their grandmother for something that they did wrong. And I just can tell you this for just from a personal perspective, if you're ever in a relationship with me and you act like a victim, you won't be in one with me very long. <laughs> or you will hear from me that I won't hear it because, uh, you know, I don't put up with that. I don't have time for people who are whiners and who won't take personal responsibility for their thoughts, their actions, and their behaviors. I'm just not going to. Um, life is too short to live that way. And yet, <clears throat> there is help out there. If you're struggling with something, there is help. But you know what? you got to actually do the work. And, you know, we've talked about this in terms of business even. You know, if, 
well, I'll use sales because I'm in sales. But, you know, if you want to make a sale, you got to open your mouth and tell somebody. And if you don't, you're not going to make a sale. And if somebody shows interest, guess what? You got to follow up. Maybe five times, maybe 12 times. I don't know how many times, but you got to follow up if you're going to make the sale. You know, it doesn't just happen. You know, with any discipline, how much more with your sexual intimacy that you're you're with people we live in a society that violates children left and right sexually and i know some of you don't want to hear it some of you are okay with it but you know infant baby rape is very common in the underground and in these these dark dark places on the internet you know babies are being sacrificed literally as well as you know, in that horrific way. And I can tell you, I read books when I was in training as a therapist. I had to read stuff that I wish I'd never read because now I got these horrible things in my mind about how evil man is. And it all goes down to the flesh. And, you know, it's a complete violation of who God created us. And like I said in my teaser video to promote the show, why is, why is it that marriage is under attack. Well, in part, part of what Randall was talking about earlier, but I like to say this, and I actually was sitting in a room a number of years ago. It was on Blog Talk Radio, and there's a pastor in there. And I said, it's because we are the only creation that God made, made in his image. And the pastor's like, wow, I never thought of that. And I'm like, well, what the heck seminary did you ever go to or read? Did you read the Bible? I mean, hello. <laughs> Woman, let's think about that for a minute. Women is the crown of God's creation. We are the last thing that God created. So isn't it interesting that womanhood has been attacked probably more than anything in the history of the world? And I don't say that lightly. Abortion is a, a massive attack on women because it, it not only destroys the baby that that woman is carrying leaves her a, a makes her a mother with a dead child which i know you don't like you know people don't like to hear it that way but it's true but <clears throat> but you know our femininity you know has been attacked you know cuz all of a sudden men can't work and provide for the family and 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 the mockery from the left about well you know you want me barefoot and pregnant and all this other stuff what's wrong with being barefoot and pregnant people i'm just curious what's wrong with that i mean is it horrible that a woman want to get pregnant be barefoot and actually make dinner for her family i mean seriously <laughs> i mean a woman's right to choose why can't she have a right to choose that huh i mean seriously you know, I'm not advocating slavery. I'm advocating God God made women nurturers and raisers. Yes, he gave us brains, that's for sure. I know a lot of, I, I met a woman today. This was actually kind of cool. Um where we live in, in Spring Hill, uh we had a you know, a meeting called Experience Spring Hill and it was basically a big business networking community event. And one of the women that I met was a doctor, a general practitioner, tall, beautiful, you know, woman and I talked to her for a little bit I said to her I said you're a firstborn aren't you and she said yeah I am <laughs> I said I'm so glad I, I just knew because most doctors are but anyway 
Um, but you know, I mean, that woman had a right to go to medical school if she wanted to. I had a right to go to college if I want to, but I can also have children if I want to. You know, it doesn't change who I am as a woman if I want to stay home and have kids. But you know, a whole bunch of stuff took place and all that. So, but speaking of that, though, let's go ahead and get to this video. Well, uh, I just one one more thing here, and it, let's it leads into wait for the, Randall. It, to it do leads something. into the video you talked okay. about. Uh, you know, womanhood being attacked, and yeah, that's and more so in recent years. I mean, with yeah. the objectification of women, and like never before. I mean, beginning with the the pinups of the you know mid forties into what it's become today. Um, I don't even know what it's become today, but I saw you know BC what 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 pornography was in like the seventies and eighties. So I don't. I can't imagine today. Yeah. Uh, and, and but now we've got the whole transgender thing with with the men identifying women they're just destroying women's sports. Right. You know cuz you know there's and Oh yeah, that infuriates me. And that really does infuriate me. That's an attack on women in a big way. Yeah, women are being constantly attacked. But you know what the feminist w women out there, they don't say anything. It's like whatever, who cares? I'm like, what the heck happened to you? You know? Well, okay, wait. Before you go to the video, I let me say something. You know, you guys know that I am a lady of justice. Yeah, you do. Right there. See, that's my card. And my mission statement is this. To help improve lives with our services and provide women the opportunity and environment to build their belief and confidence step into their greatness and power, control their lives and create choices and live a purposeful life. And we also add on that and own our seat at the table. Okay. This happens to be my table here. <laughs> Just, well, not kidding. Actually, it literally is my table. But anyway, um, you know, that's part of the reason I love Legal Shield is because Legal Shield, after 46 years or something, finally decided to emphasize how to sell this insurance that helps everybody from a feminine perspective so that women can learn about it, you know? And so I think that's a good thing in 2019. After all, this is, you know, we're not in the, the dark ages. And something today I want to just point out, if you're not familiar with Legal Shield, one of the, the Legal Shield is $24.95 a month. And it's personal legal insurance. We also offer it for businesses. But here's one thing that we give with it that most people don't think about, and that is a will, right? Now, why is it we train our culture uh, when a woman is pregnant, we all of a sudden, oh my gosh, let's have a baby shower, yay. I mean, for normal people who want their babies to not kill them. Um, so, you know, we have a baby shower, we throw a little party, we do, a, we do a gender reveal, which is a new thing, I guess. Hey, is it a girl or boy? Pop the blue and, oh, it's red, yay, or whatever it is. You know, we do these gender reveals, we go shopping, we get the little feet, little cute stuff and, you know, and all that. And we rejoice, we read baby books, you know, we pick out a baby name. We, we do all this stuff associated with a baby, but no one ever prepares us for when we leave this world. Now, as Christians, our number one priority is to share the gospel so that when we actually do physically leave this world, we're going to the right place. That would be heaven, people, just so you know, heaven that's where you want to go, not hell. I know some people debate, does hell really exist? Yeah, it does. Okay. But so the goal is to go to heaven. 
And the church, we do spiritually try to get people there, point them to Jesus. You know, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him, right? Okay. But we don't talk about estate planning. We don't talk about how to prepare a family, you know, for the death of your mom or your dad. And you know what? I've had my mom die 17 years ago. My mom died. I was a young woman when that happened. My dad, I don't know how many years my dad has. He'll be 91 next week. You know, I'm sure it's going to be within the next decade. I venture to guess. Um, He wants to live to be 100. So, you know, he probably will. He's in good enough shape to probably do that. But the point is, I have to go somewhere to to learn like well what do i do how do i set up a you know a plot for my dad how do i you know does he want to be cremated yeah he does actually you know i mean what are the benefits to getting you know a burial plot ahead of time nobody ever talks to us about that stuff but you know what with legal shield one part of that is that you get a will and so we're trying to empower you by giving you something that is affordable and that will help you to p- prepare your future. That's part of what I do. It's educate. In fact, somebody today told me, you know, when I see you, I think of you as an educator. And I'm like, good job. I'm glad because that's why I exist is to educate you. You Whether or not you agree with me or not, that's debatable. (laughs) Feel free to disagree. It's okay. But, you know, I try my best to give you the options and to make you think about stuff that unfortunately most people don't want to think about. You know, I mean, we get this scary thing. Oh, my gosh, there's a <laughs> a mortuary. Yeah, there is. Because you know why? Somebody dies every day. So they exist, you know. Uh, so anyway, if you if you need if you need a will, then get in touch with me because I can set you up. If you need identity theft protection, which you should get, by the way, then I can set you up with that. We can talk about that later. Um, Ariel Ministries is also our sponsor, in case you're not reading down there below. You know, um, one of our, uh, Ariel just loves us and we love them. You know, you can go to ariel.org and save 20% when you use that coupon code Bible News. You know, on anything in their store on the web there. This is Bible teaching from a Messianic Jewish perspective. Make sure you go there, check them out. Even if you're buying just an MP3 or something, you can still use that code and save a couple of cents even. Okay. Um, And also, lastly, but not least, certainly, if you like what we do, and yeah, I know I'm not the Hagmans. I'm not like super serious. Sorry. I'm not scowly. You know, (laughs) I'm, I'm also not, you know, some of these other stuff shirts. Yeah, they are. I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean I'm me. You know, I have great hair. I'm a girl. One of the few out here, by the way, who's stable. And I have to tell you that if you want to support our show financially, you can. You can become a pillar of our community. Yeah, you can. In fact, go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give and you can give there. Or what's that other website? What is it? Something it's scrolling on here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> give, yeah, send, go. go. There we go. GiveSendGo.com forward slash Bible News Radio. Uh, I, I I actually put our story over there, um, and um, we're trying to we're trying to get a certain amount of money. I can't remember what it is, but if you want to donate over there, feel free, people. You know, remember the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive, <clears throat> and I'm giving to my little heart's content right now uh, because I actually love this and care about you people. Okay, 
So with that said, now let's look at this video um, from Matt Walsh when he was speaking at the Young Amer was it Young America's Young Americans Young, Young America's Foundation. Foundation, yeah. And it's titled "Man, I Feel Like a Woman." Walsh absolutely wrecks the entire transgender argument. So let's go ahead and listen to this because I think it's kind of interesting. It's about four minutes. How precisely does a biological male come to the conclusion that he is really a woman? How does this process work? If he arrives at this conclusion based on the fact that he feels like a woman, how does he know what it feels like to be a woman if he's not one? Yeah, how does he know? Is it not circular logic to say that he knows what it feels like to be a woman because he feels like one and therefore is one? That's a circular logic. That makes no sense. What exactly is a female feeling? Maybe some of the ladies here can help me out with that. It's a hot flash, people. Even if it made sense to speak of female feelings and female thoughts, and even if it were possible for a man to know that he was experiencing one, why would that mean that he is a woman instead of just a feminine man? We used to have those. Those used to exist. The left tells us that gender is a social construct. They reject the idea that women must necessarily have any particular feeling or thought or taste or preference. So if gender is an artificial construct and our physical features have no bearing on our identity as male, as man or woman, then what the hell is a woman anyway? <laughs> yeah. A woman in that case would not be defined by her feelings, her thoughts, her ideas, her preferences, her body, her reproductive organs, her DNA, her chromosome. Well, what is she defined by? What is she? <laughs> Do you know Can anyone fine. answer that? Yeah. See, when a man says that he's a woman, he's now made it so that that phrase means nothing. It doesn't mean anything to be a woman. We should be outraged, people. He might as well say that he's a who's a what's it or a thingamadoodle. It's just it's a, just a word. It means nothing anymore. I think I'm a jippy. This is the real harm that this transgenderism nonsense has caused. Not only does it foment confusion in the minds of children but it also cheapens womanhood by turning it into some kind of abstract concept that we theorize about. So you women in the audience, you're not even people. You're just, you're just these abstractions. Now I know. According to the uh, LGBT folks. I had no idea. Darn or, it. if not that, then womanhood is a costume yeah, that you it can is. put on and wear. Yep, every day. This is especially ironic given the concern for cultural appropriation that you find these days. <laughs> If it is appropriation for a white man to dress like a black man, is it not appropriation for a man to dress like a woman? Why doesn't anyone ever talk about female appropriation? That is real appropriation. You've got women, you've got, you, 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 you go to a drag show, you've got men dancing around in women's clothes, making a mockery and a parody of womanhood. It is like a female minstrel show. It is female blackface. And feminists just sit back and take it most of the time. Speaking of irony, um, the left for so long has tried to tear down gender constructs, but transgenderism only enforces the constructs that they were trying to tear down. We used to say that a boy who plays with dolls is girly, right? That's what you, we used to say. It was back in the bad old days. Um, the way to tear down that construct is to say that, well, it's okay for a, girl to be, for a boy to be girly. Or you could say alternatively that it's not girly to play with dolls. Um, 
But a boy with dolls used to be girly. Now he's literally a girl, we say. If a boy who exhibits womanly characteristics is therefore a girl, then those gender constructs that the left was trying to tear down, they have just made those constructs into something far more potent or powerful than any conservative ever imagined that they could be. That's why I object to redefining gender. Wow. Yeah. Well, here's what I always say, people. I always say this. If you want to be a woman, like if you want to be a man and you want to be a woman, then by virtue of the power invested in me by the state of my clear mind, I basically say that you have to wear a bra with your actual breasts and you have to experience breast tenderness and heavy bleeding periods where you have big, huge blood clots come out of your body and you have aching, crampy, like type pain, just so you know. Yep. That's what real women go through, people. Mm-hmm. And you got to have a uterus, just so you know. One of the things you really have to have in order to be a girl is a uterus. Not a penis, but a uterus, people. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know, well, the, the, point, the, the point he made at the end. I know what the point is he made, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's, no, I'm not. <laughs> no. Your, your points are absolutely true. I mean... Then they're done that, just saying. Because there's got to be something objective (laughs) about womanhood in order to be a thing. And exactly the point he was making, I'm not saying your point is good, but your point is spot on. Thank you. I'm a woman. Hear me roar. Roar. But but the point that he was making, I've been saying for a long time, I, I I find it humorous that these sexual anarchists are trying to tear down gender you know that it's a social... they're trying to tear down this wall <laughs> you know they they say oh, well yeah. you know you know masculinity femininity male female those those are societal constructs and we the gender is you know the fluid can be and yet you know they say there's all these different genders and yet when they express these genders they're either masculine or feminine. They're not the third gender or the fifth gender or the seventh, fourth normal gender. You know, it, they all—they're always expressed in masculine and femininity. Well, if if those are social constructs, you can be whatever. Why don't you express something that isn't one of those you know binary things that's either male or female? It's, but but that they yeah. always do. You know, we find the same sex couples. One exhibits a masculine role, one a feminine role, be they two women, two men. It's like, oh, well, if you want to destroy all this gender stuff, stop conforming to it. Where They say we're gender nonconformists. We'll come up with a third gender. Stop. <laughs> they can't because there isn't a third gender. You know, he made them male and female. There isn't a third or fourth or fifth or 20 genders and all their flags that go with it that you'll find on the interwebs. It is... It's... it's <laughs> It's just... did, did, when we were married 27 years ago, did you ever think in a million, gazillion, trillion years we would be talking about this type of stuff? No, I... I, I knew, didn't either. I, I, knew, knew. I knew it was there, and it was on the right, but to, to get... To where people say this stuff with a straight face now, and and some people actually believe it when they say it. Why, I don't know. I just, but... I will tell you, going here into our last half hour of this show, 
I want to read you guys an article, and this is good news. This is the LGBT uh, one, Randall. The young are yeah. regarded as the most tolerant generation. That's why the results of this LGBTQ survey are alarming. From that, uh, from that far right wing resource, USA Today, mm -hmm. which is nothing but typically mainstream. So, just out of curiosity. Propaganda. How many of you have heard about the Accelerating Acceptance Report? Have you heard of this, people? Accelerating Acceptance. Yes, this is what we're all about on Bible News Radio. <laughs> we're about accelerating the acceptance of biblical morality and what the Bible talks about. Um, I'm going to read just a little bit about this. This is, this is not on there, Randall, but oh. I will just want to read the background to quote the Accelerating Acceptance 2019 report, which says 50 years after the Stonewall Uprising, the LGBTQ community has great reason to celebrate the many advancements that have created greater visibility and legal protections for LGBTQ Americans, but the fight for 100% acceptance is far from over. Last year, the Accelerating Acceptance Index, a national survey among U.S. adults conducted on GLAD's behalf by the Harris Poll, saw an erosion in LGBTQ LGBTQ acceptance, although this year's index reports that the drop in LGBTQ acceptance has been stemmed, a growing number of young people ages 18 to 34 report being less comfortable around LGBTQ people in certain personal situations. At the same time, the Trump administration continues to attack the LGBTQ community through discriminatory policies and targeted rhetoric, and LGBTQ Americans are becoming more vulnerable to hate crimes and violence, which GLAD documents here. GLAD's Accelerating Acceptance Report provides us with an urgent reminder that LGBTQ people and allies should continue to remain visible and vigilant on the fight for 100% acceptance of LGBTQ people. Okay, so that's the backgrounder. Now let's read this article titled, The Young Are Regarded as the Most Tolerant Generation. That's why results of this LGBTQ survey are alarming. All right. So young people are growing less tolerant of LGBTQ individuals, a jarring turn for a generation traditionally considered embracing and open a survey release Monday shows the number of Americans 18 to 34 who are comfortable interacting with LGBTQ people slipped from 53% in 2017 to 45% in 2018. The only age group to show a decline according to the annual accelerating acceptance report that is down from 63% in 2016. So that's pretty cool, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, driving the dilution of acceptance are young women whose overall comfort levels plunged from 64% in 2017 to 52% in 2018, says the survey conducted by the Harris Poll on behalf of the LGBTQ advocacy group GLAD. We count on the narrative that young people are more progressive and tolerant, John Gerzma, CEO of the Harris Poll, told USA Today. These numbers are very alarming and a signal and signal a looming social crisis and discrimination. Don't you love that? Ladies and gentlemen, there is a looming social crisis and discrimination. Yeah, there is, people. Can you believe it? It's looming. It's social. It's crisis. Discrimination. Yeah, it is. Can you feel the dark cloud coming over your head right now? 
it's a looming social crisis and discrimination, people. Yeah, it is. Just so you know, watch out. The dark cloud's going to come over your head because it's a looming social crisis and discrimination. Just real quick. You okay. know, this whole sorry. Dis- I'm, I'm sorry. Kind of mocking it right now. but Rightly so. <laughs> <laughs> this whole discrimination. Discrimination. Oh, it's so discriminatory. <laughs> you know, ads of yesteryear used to talk about the discriminating buyer. Discriminate means to select between things you know imagine going to you know the produce section of supermarket there's some there's i discriminate some... what type of bananas to buy exactly there's mm-hmm. a fresh one there's some black ones with flies going around it oh you didn't you didn't buy the rotten bananas you're so discriminatory yeah i am <laughs> yes i've discriminating taste people yes I per- it, it's it's, it's a, not a bad thing not at all okay anyway back back to you back to me okay among the findings, 36% of young people say they were uncomfortable learning a family member was LGBTQ compared with 29% in 2017. Okay. 34% were uncomfortable learning their doctor was LGBTQ versus 27% a year earlier. So see, notice that these numbers are increasing. That's a good thing. Okay. So it must be Donald Trump's fault, people. Uh-huh. Yeah, it may be. No, I doubt it. But thirty-nine <laughs> percent were uncomfortable learning their child had a school lesson on LGBTQ history versus thirty percent in twenty seventeen. Now, to me, that's amazing because Indeed. most parents are like, well, I can't say that. I well, some parents in the public schools, they're like, whatever, snooze bill. I get, I get a break from my child for however many hours they're there. <clears throat> So it says here, young people's discomfort rises with LGBTQ uh, percentage of non-LGBTQ population by age bracket, uncomfortable with learning a family member is LGBTQ, having a child placed in a class with an LGBTQ teacher, learning learning a doctor is LGBTQ, and learning a child had LGBTQ history lessons in school, which are all propaganda, by the way. Um, so anyway, so that's documented. And you know, it's really interesting, Randall. I don't know. I think I probably told you this, but I remember when I was in eighth grade and I don't know if they still do this today because I don't have children and anybody out there who's in the audience, if you do and you know, let me know. But do they still make you dress out in gym? Like, like you had to go to the PE, physical education. You had to go to the locker room, get undressed, get in your PE clothes, and then go out and play or whatever it was, right? Right. Well, I remember (laughs) that. Run laps, do tug of war, whatever it was. Yeah, at the middle school I went to, I went to two, but at one of them in particular, there was a female uh, PE teacher who would come in to our locker room to supervise the women or the girls that were in there changing, and she was rumored to be a lesbian. And, and I remember, I mean, I remember this to this day for some reason about that woman. And I don't know if she was or not, but I remember <gasps> everybody talked about it. It was like, how could she be in there watching all these girls get undressed and Because and she's stuff. a female. Yeah, I know. But, you know, if she was a lesbian, that, that would have, you know, bothered me. I mean, I clearly remember it. But anyway, the article goes on to say, tolerance takes a hit. Americans less accepting of LGBT people in 2017 
The negative shift for the young is surprising, said Sarah K. Ellis, GLAD president and CEO. When GLAD delved into the numbers, the group found that the younger generation was coming in contact with more LGBT people, particularly individuals who are non-binary and don't identify simply as lesbian or gay. This newness they are experienced could be leading to this erosion. It's a newness that takes time for people to understand. Our job is to educate about nonconformity, she said. The irony, the, the irony here <laughs> is that the iron. You already know what I'm going to say. I, I hope so. I mean, I'm... so the irony is is that it's all about nonconformity, right? right? But all they're doing is trying to conform to the nonconformity, right? But you must con you must conform to getting sleepy people. Yeah, you must conform. Please to conform right now. Our view of nonconformity, or else it's, it's so a, stupid. It's like like everybody's entitled to our opinion. <laughs> it's yeah, like, you are. You're you, entitled to our opinion. That's you know, why you tune into our show. You know, <laughs> we we have to celebrate diversity and people have different views yeah. and different expressions and. Oh, what, you don't agree? There's unity you in diversity, though. Don't yeah, you know that? Yeah. It's like, wait, wait, you don't agree with this LGBT propaganda? That's, that's not right. You've got to conform. You can't, you can't be diverse in that way. <laughs> I, it's, it's so blatantly... Stupid? Yes. Yeah, it is. And but hypocritical. How, and, how dare you say that, though? You're such a privileged white man in America. Yeah. Yeah, you are. All right. Toxic culture 50 years after Stonewall. The survey results come during Pride 2019. And on the eve of the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots, which sparked the LGBTQ rights movement. Now think about it. A riot sparked the movement, people. What sparked the Christian movement? Just think about that. They also had a dark hour politically and culturally for the LGBTQ community amid a rise in inflammatory rhetoric and dozens of policy setbacks, such as a ban on transgender people in the military. That is one good thing Trump did. And, re and religious exemption laws that can lead to discrimination. That is another good thing. Ellis and Gurzma said both are likely force behind the Young's pushback on tolerance, they said. <laughs> I just okay. Just think about the scapegoating here. Okay. Go All ahead. right. You know. You know. Think about occupy this or that. Occupy Wall Street. Occupy whatever. Set up our tent cities and defecate them, public land and <laughs> whatever. You know. Occupy this. Occupy this and you know push back against and you know Trump and he's he's the embodiment of all things evil and death to trump and you know where we're so anti that well see these young people and and you know what what it probably is is things like transgender you know ban on the military and you know the, the stuff that the far right is doing is influencing these these young people and and then that's that's probably what's the likely force behind the young's pushback on tolerance is that they're being completely you know in, influenced by the by those that we're telling them are anti everything and with <laughs> the mainstream media has gone on a rampage denouncing everything you know remotely conservative where are these young people beginning to hear stuff though 
Know, Could it but, be like on Bible News Radio? But but they 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 are they stumbling upon the alternative media with a maybe. point of view they they thought they hated, and then they were like, "Hey, these nice people! Wow, I like them. They're kind of sweet, and lovable." But, but here they cite you know Trump administration policies as oh, this is likely the force behind the. The ones that they denounce, they say are out of step, don't have anything to do with anything, and you know the embodiment evil, blah blah. It's insignificant, way out of step. They're you know isolated, whatever. And then when things aren't going their way, oh, it's it's probably these you know these these policies about you know <laughs> you know prohibiting transgenders in the military and uh, religious exemption laws. Oh, yeah, that's the likely force behind the pushback. Well, the article goes on to say. Uh, yeah. The, the young are bombarded by hate speech, which by the be what which would just so you know, the hate speech they're talking about is what me and Bareface are just saying right now. Okay, that's hate speech. Everything Bareface just said is hateful. Yeah. Okay. Indeed. Anyway, on social platforms, from viral videos to mean tweets, our toxic culture is enveloping young people. It instills fear, alienation, but also permissibility that could sway impressionable young minds on what is acceptable. Now, the irony of that, that's got to kill you. I mean, seriously, because these are the knuckleheads who are, like, trying to indoctrinate kindergartners into the gay lifestyle. Just saying, oh, gosh, they're so impressionable. Oh, no, they're not. They're seriously, their brains are fully developed at five years old. Just so you know, they can think clearly on their own. Yeah, they can. Uh, <laughs> Our toxic culture is developing. Yeah, it is, with, with the filth and the smut that goes on. Uh, and uh, and but it's funny, you know. Um, you know, somebody will tweet or you know post something like "Make America Great Again," you know, go Trump, and there'll be thirty posts on you backward, you know, bleepity bleep bleep bleep. <laughs> I'm we've been friends for years, but now I'm gonna have to unfriend you. I'm blocking all your stuff because if you're gonna. <laughs> promote this stuff. I, I we can't be friends anymore. I can't see you anymore. But we both have Bijan Freeze days. Yeah. So. I don't care. <laughs> you said something positive about Trump. I I can't I can't be seen or associated with you in any way, form, shape, whatever. And but you know, it's this it's this 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 fear and alienation that coming from, you know, these uh, anyway, I well, just... wait, wait, wait. Let me finish this article. This, please. And there is a more menacing side. Well, Ellis said, "We are seeing a stark increase in violence in the community." Glad has are. Glad has documented more than forty incidences of LGBTQ hate violence since January first. Now, Cooperated? Well, hey, well, this is the thing I'm wondering because there's been so many uh, fake hate crimes produced by homosexual community against themselves that, um, you know. If they were honest, they'd be like, yeah, we did it to ourselves. That's what we did. You know, that guy from that show Empire, remember that guy? Whatever his mug's name was, you know what I'm talking about. Jesse, whatever his mug. Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett. Yeah, that scoundrel. You know, who who somehow got off. I, you know, but anyway, whatever. Yeah, four, more than 40 instances. Well, tell me, bring them to the forefront. Well, it says Scream here... Scream them from the rooftops. Two recent high-profile incidences. On June 16th, a young gay couple were assaulted outside a popular strip of bars in Washington, D.C. in what police are investigating as a hate crime. A few weeks earlier, a Detroit man was charged in a triple homicide 
in which two gay men and one transgender woman were deliberately targeted. Of course, it doesn't say by who. It's usually from in their community, just like Matthew Shepard, that whole thing, people. And there's a whole book written about it from a gay guy who actually exposed how the Matthew Shepard thing was all about him and drugs not had nothing to do with him being gay. In fact, if you recall, Elizabeth Vargas on 2020 actually reported it accurately and the LGBT community went after her and they had to remove that report off the TV set. But of course, no, we don't talk about that because God forbid that actually happened. Um, then it says here, the FBI released statistics in November showing a 17% increase in overall hate crimes in 2017. Of 7,175 reported crimes, more than 1,200 were based on sexual orientation or gender identity bias. Yeah, of course, I don't know what the, you know, the actual results of those are, but I suppose if we actually had to guess, you know, it, it would be like, like that big. And of course, we condemn it all because I don't think violence solves anything. But it's it's annoying as heck that, mm. you know. Well, I mean, oh. you see, this is the thing. Rather than them accepting that that the millennials are starting to wake up to reality, you know, and get, oh my gosh, I'm older now. My brain is starting to get unthawed from all that indoctrination from me as a kid. Oh, oh wow, the Bible. Huh. That book, wait, hold on. Let me blow off the dust on it. Read it. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. And then they get born again. How cool is that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean. I'm sure all the clips have been taken out by now about all my hate speech and all that. But I want to make one thing clear. I've not called anybody names, anything like that. Nope. What, what, what I'm finding, what I'm being amused by here are ideas. And ideas can be criticized. Well, you're every, you're a, you're a middle-aged crotchety, yeah, you every, know, you know, man. Uh, yeah, you are. You're a man. I admit it. I know. I've seen you naked. You know, if <laughs> if I say I don't like that song or I don't like that painting, that's not an attack on the character of the artist. Um, right. Similar way, you know, these ideas. I don't like these ideas because they're highly illogical. They don't add up, and they like Walsh was saying, they circular reasoning, and they're just. <clears throat> They're just not. They're just not intellectually honest or coherent. But you know, every single person was made in the image of God. We talked. Stacy talked about that earlier. I did. Uh, yeah, she did. I was there. Yeah, I know you that you were. Anyway, I was here too. That's how I heard. And it. I, 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 I will be here. Yeah, you will. I'm glad for that. I'm thankful for that. Anyway, so yes. Any person made in, every person is made in the image of God, no matter how they express themselves, and they carry within them the intrinsic image of God that needs to be respected and honored because they are a human being made in God's image. So uh, this isn't an attack on any individuals. Uh, you know, uh, our, our Lord said, you know, to, to not, you know, return evil for evil. Right. You know, to pray for those who spitefully, you know, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, use, abuse, you. use you. Use you. Know, abuse right. you and pray right. for those. Anyway, and so, indeed, I, I do. And I love these folks. Uh, but, yeah, looking at, look at some of these ideas, they're just, they're just, yeah. Stupid? 
I know I use the word stupid a lot, but it kind of fits. Yeah, I. Yeah, I know you don't like it. Uh, it's just I just don't. They're dumb, get, dumb ideas. Yeah, I just don't. Just the the great effort that's done to perpetuate them yeah. has to make one wonder whether or not they're, you know, actually <laughs> valid. Anyway, go on. Well, hey, people, it's almost time for this show to end. Wow. I know that. You know, we we uh, decided to do it 90 minutes, which, you know, the fact that most of you are still here who are our normal viewers, you know, first of all, I have to say thank you for tuning in, people. You make us feel loved and special. Yeah, you do. If for some reason you have not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, you can do that at youtube.com forward slash Bible News Radio. Uh, in, because of our recent Hagman co coverage, we've we've picked up a couple of new subscribers, and I think there's somebody who is upset with us for some reason because they went through like five or ten of our videos and hit down, dislike, 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 on them. Uh, I'm pretty sure they didn't watch them because it's really hard to dislike us. I mean, just saying. <laughs> well, I mean, there are people that do, but. But normal Christians don't. They actually like us, most of them. Uh, so I would request, if you are watching the show over on YouTube, feel free to hit that like button, you know. And if you want to, you know, hit the notifications and subscribe over there, you can do that too. Uh, if you're on um, Periscope, if you're not on Periscope, you can follow us on our Periscope channel, which is on Periscope. And Periscope is owned by Twitter. Um, but it's periscope.tv forward slash Bible News Radio. You have to download the Periscope mobile app and then just just uh, put Bible News Radio. I think we have like 5,900 followers or something. You, you can watch online as well through yeah. the web interface. Yeah, you can watch it us can on, even give on Twitter. Hearts and give comments. No, no, even even periscope.tv. I can. Yeah, yeah, that's you right. Can, that's you can right. Give hearts and comments and all that. Same as the app. Yeah. And um, I want to thank you guys for commenting over on YouTube. That kind of makes me feel loved, you know. Just, it, you know, it gives us more energy to know that there's somebody actually watching. Even if you're a hater, I'm glad with that. That's good. Just keep commenting because, you know, I don't mind talking to haters. <laughs> I have a way of making them love me in the end. Yeah. It's a curse, but somehow I have it. Yep. In fact, when we were on Blog Talk Radio... We we had an 800 line that people would call up and they would be like, rah, 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 rah. and by the end of the time, I'd be like, they'd be like, hey, you know, I'm going to tune into you again. <laughs> by the way, we do have a Facebook page also. It's, uh, you know, facebook.com forward slash Bible News Radio. We're on Twitter at Bible News Radio. We have an email that you can sign up for at BibleNewsRadio.com. And the most important thing is our text message service. If you have a cell phone that can get text messages, that's where I do most of my communicating with our audience because email spams, you know, most people don't open email and text messages are short. I send out a scripture every day. Sometimes we do a contest and I try to remember to send out a tweet, a, a text right before our show. That way you can just go, go, oh yeah, she's going to be on right now. And this is one topic that we're going to be talking about. So you can join our text messages by texting Bible News to 33222, which is, you know, simple. Just put Bible News together, one word, 33222. Put that. And it's been scrolling down there at the bottom somewhere uh, throughout the show. So if you haven't joined my text message list, that's the best place to do it. Uh, and, um, you know, 
then you'll get it. And you can respond. And I love it when you guys respond too. Just so you guys know though, I can't see emojis and I can't see graphics with the with the textedly service because it's it's bare bones. That's why I can afford it. <laughs> but they haven't they haven't made it where I can like if you respond with a smiley face or a thumbs up or something, I can't see it because it comes back garbled, um, you know, and all that. But you know, if you want to stay in touch with us, that's the way to do it. I do try to answer everybody's email. Uh, text messages, phone calls, um, you know, and people crack me up because they're like, I can't believe you called me back or I can't believe you responded to my email. And I'm like, yeah, I did. Just so you know. Okay. Also tomorrow night, Sunday, Sunday night, tomorrow, 8, 8 p.m. Again, we're going to be on tomorrow. Lord willing, that's our plan. Um, so I hope you come back. I think Bareface is going to do a Bible study or, you know, something like that, maybe in part. And then we might also do some news as well. Which also reminds me to ask you, you know, if you're still here, what are some of the topics that you would like us to discuss and or are you interested in us continuing our Bible study in First Peter that we were doing before we went to three days? So, yeah, if you guys have a minute, we have you know about five minutes left. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know. Um, right now in the chat, if you can, you, you know, if you can tell us what topics would you like us to talk about? I mean, I have a direction I'm going. Um, and, you know, as far as Bible study, you know, would you like us to continue our first Peter Bible study? So, okay, cool. Thank you, Mama Gina. Um, <clears throat> and WD, yes, haters will hate. I definitely know that. And that's good. Yeah. Hey, I don't mind my haters, you know, I don't mind them. I mean... Okay, so Melanie says, continue with First Peter. Uh, let's see. Eric says, how to break opio opioid addiction. You know, that's, a, that's actually a good topic, Eric. Um, I would say that, um, you know, one, I will tell you. Uh, have you ever heard of June Hunt? Do you know who she is, Eric? Do you know who June Hunt is? Um, well, second Peter, we were going to do second Peter after we were going to finish first Peter. So we were going to do the both books back to back. It just might take us longer because we only do this three days now. Um, I'm just, I know it's, I know it's a uh, longer to, uh, answer. But if you don't know who June Hunt is, if you're as old as Randall is, you might remember the TV show Dallas. You know, uh, Dallas had a, um, da Dallas, the TV show, was based on June Hunt's real family. Larry Hagman played J.R. Ewing. and Yeah. Um, June Hunt, yeah. Anyway, so June Hunt is a, she's a billionaire heiress, where she was heir- an heiress to a like a billionaire fortune. Her family was in the oil business. I don't know if they still are or not, but but anyway, <clears throat> she is the founder of Hope for the Heart. And if you go to hopefortheheart.org, uh, you can learn more about her ministry. I I love her. She's like one of my mentors in terms of biblical counseling. Um, she has a ton of free resources on her website. Um, and I know she covers addiction in that, but, um, 
she also have a has a radio show called Hope in the Night because she's a night owl, and she she will take callers that call in and and she will biblically counsel them right there on the show, and and she'll do a whole show with one person. You know, I mean, she doesn't do like Dr. Laura used to do, like talk to you for two seconds and tell you how messed up you are. Um, so yeah, in fact, I don't know, I'm, I'm not signed in, but I will sign in right now because I have a minute to do that, and I will type. <clears throat> her website up. I recommend her. I interviewed her numerous times um, on our show in the past. She's like uh, probably one of the most prominent Christian radio talk show hosts in modern evangelicalism, actually. Uh, let's see here. I'm logged in, but now where's my commenting? Where can I comment at? Let's see. I'll go over here. There we go. Okay, so I'm going to put in this. So hope for the heart, heart.org. Um, her website is awesome. I mean, she's, she's got a ton of, uh, stuff there. <laughs> okay, Gina. Uh, Beth, I don't know if anybody is losing anybody else. I'm, I haven't actually lost connection at all on Periscope, which is odd because usually I do. Um, but yeah, if you go to hopefortheheart.org, she has, um, they're like, sh like one sheets that give uh, counsel from a very biblical perception, a per, per, biblical worldview. Um, and they're just really good to have. I mean, just that hand. But also, you could probably go through some of her radio archives if you just wanted to hear how a real biblical counselor actually counsels. Um, I mean, I've done that on this show numerous times because that's my background. But, you know, I, I love her resources and they're really good. So that's just the place to go. And, of course, we could I could probably call her up and say, hey, June, come on my show. And let's talk about drug addiction and how to, you know, how to break that, you know. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, Eric. One of the things that I would um, I'm, I've been thinking a lot about and this could be a future topic as well, is the prevalence of CBD oil, you know, um, <laughs> and the use of marijuana, right? Um, and how that is actually um, being used now. I mean, it's kind of controversial. So that's that, I'm going to write that down as a, as a potential topic. My throat is very dry. I gotta, I'm out of water. Tomorrow night, two bottles of water. Um, anyway, any other topics before we log out, people? I know our time is just, it's, I think it's pretty much up. Um, <clears throat> all right, well, here's the thing. If you think of it, leave a comment or email me or text me or tweet me. I mean, I'm not hard to find, okay? And, um, and remember, as I always say at the end of every show, be bold, stand up. And uh, go with God because he loves you. Yeah, he does. And we'll see you tomorrow. Okay? Have a good night.